Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. John, uh, I'm really excited to be here with you all this morning, and I actually want to start just continuing the conversation you were just having, like what is your, or was your favorite Christmas tradition as a kid? Now, I have to acknowledge we have a lot of different people, a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different ages in this room. For you and your family, your traditions might have looked different than mine. You and your family, you had your traditions, me and my family, we had ours, and for us, we were very serious about them. I don't know about you. One of my favorites was uh, we always got a real Christmas tree growing up. Anyone on team real Christmas tree? Okay, now I have a, I have a confession. I have a confession. Uh, if you were to walk into my house right now, you would see that my wife and I have a beautifully flocked fake Christmas tree because it's just easier, people. But... But 11-year-old John would have been very, very disappointed in me because we always had a real tree growing up and not just one from the Costco parking lot, you know what I mean? Like we, me, my dad, and my sister, anyone else do this? We would drive to the middle of nowhere, Michigan, and we would cut down that blue spruce ourselves and we would drag home the kill, you know what I mean? It was the best. Uh, Another Christmas tradition we had growing up, uh, we had one of those in the hallway, in the house where I grew up, we had one of those uh, felt Velcro December Christmas calendars, right? And every other day, me and my sister, we would take turns putting up like a little stuffed snowman, a little stuffed candy cane. And I'll admit to you, well into our high school years, my sister and I would get into literal fights over who would get to put the angel up on Christmas Eve. You wanted even days, right? You wanted to put it up even days. Or um, for my family, movies were a really big deal. Anyone else, movies are a huge deal on Christmas? Yeah, Christmas movies, it's everything. For me and my family growing up, we always watched, uh, we watched It's a Wonderful Life on, on Christmas Eve. Now, I should clarify as well, for those of you who have seen It's a Wonderful Life, you know it runs about six and a half hours. And so really the tradition was we would watch the first 45 minutes of It's a Wonderful Life before we fell asleep in the living room. I still have no idea how that movie ends. Um, But you know, regardless of what tradition you might have been talking about, as you were thinking back to Christmas in, in your childhood, did you notice that like when you're a kid, Christmas just happens You know, like you don't really have to do anything. You don't really have to do any work. It's just you wake up one morning and your house has been transformed into a winter wonderland. You walk down the stairs and there are presents all under the tree that you did not have to pay for. There is a plethora of Christmas cookies so long as you know where your mom hid them, right? Like Christmas as a kid, it just happens to you. And it is magical. There is nothing like Christmas as a kid. And then you grow up. And for those of you who are adults in the room, you know Christmas does not just happen. But those decorations, they take time. Like entire Saturday, multiple Saturdays, if you're married to my wife, of my time to put those things up, right? You learn that presents cost money. You learn that Santa had financial backers, right? You learn after your 20th Christmas cookie, why your mom hid those from you. Only now you can't hide them from yourself. And so you have a problem as a 28-year-old adult. You can pray for me. But really, Christmas as a kid, it just happens. But then when you grow up, you realize that Christmas, it takes work, right? It takes a little bit of work. 
And while that work, it can be exciting, it can be magical, that work, it can also feel a little bit draining if we don't enter into it in the right way. And throughout this uh, December month, we have been joining with churches all around the world in observing the season of Advent. We've been lighting our Advent candles each week. We have lit the candle of hope. Last week, we talked about faith. And today, we reach our third week and our third candle of Advent, which is joy. Now, this should be easy, right? We should be out of here in like five minutes. You won't. Some of you just got really excited. But <laughs> Christmas and joy seem like a no-brainer, right? Because I don't know if you noticed this, but Christmas, like joy is everywhere around Christmas, isn't it? It's in the songs we sing, joy to the world. It's in the advertisements. It's in the Christmas cards that we send each other. It's on Starbucks cups. It's on Dunkin' cups in a not as cute way. You know, joy is just everywhere. We are suffocated with joy around Christmas. And yet the ironic thing is that for many people, Joy is also really absent in this season. In fact, statistics and studies show that symptoms of depression and feelings of loneliness are actually highest at Christmas time. And if you're one of the many people in our church who are fighting that battle, you are no stranger to that reality. Uh, for those who have experienced loss this year, this is often a really difficult time because you show up to that family gathering that you're at every year and that person isn't there. That seat at the table is empty, and it's a reminder of the loss, and you have to sort of relive that, re-experience it again. It's a difficult time. I'll be honest with you, for myself, I actually really struggle <laughs> with the idea of joy around this time of year because I, I see the reality that our world is still so messed up in so many ways and still so broken, and so I have a really hard time sometimes just like sitting, eating Christmas cookies and watching all these happy movies when I know there are so many people in our world and in our city or even in our church that just do not have that privilege. They do not have the opportunity because of an injustice that they're facing. And in the midst of all that kind of real life stuff, joy can kind of feel distant. And, and even at times, joy can sort of feel inappropriate. You know, joy, it can kind of feel... And so, maybe, maybe it's the work of Christmas also. For me, it is, if I'm being honest. Sorry, I'm losing my place a little bit. But for me, it's like Christmas gets, even preparing this sermon, right? Worked really hard on this this week. Um, to the point where I was actually distracted at one point from the very point of the sermon, <laughs> I had so much on my to-do list, and for you it might not have been preparing a sermon, but maybe you had presents to shop for. Maybe you had a party to get ready for. All of this work surrounding Christmas, while it can be amazing, it can also be, it can distract us or even hijack our joy. And there was a certain point, I hit a certain point this week where I was like, you know what? I actually kind of can't wait for Christmas to be over because at least then I can get a little bit of rest and have a little fun. <laughs> You see, I think the reality is for many of us, at best, the joy of Christmas is a fleeting feeling of happiness that we get when we, you know, buy the right present or we hear the right song. And then at worst, for many of us, the joy of Christmas is totally absent from our lives. 
And my guess is most of us here in this room, we live somewhere in between. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to work through a few different questions that my hope is it will lead us to a, a truer, deeper, and perhaps more authentic experience of Christmas joy than what we are currently offered in our culture or what we are currently experiencing. And so the questions that I want all of us to wrestle with this morning are, one, what exactly is the joy of Christmas? Where does it come from? And then how can we, right now, enter into it and experience more of it this Christmas season? That's where we're going, okay? The only question is, are you with me? Good. That's good enough. There is a Bible underneath the seat in front of you. It looks something like this. Go ahead and grab it, and you can open up to Luke chapter 2, verse 8. That is on page 832 in the Soul City Bible, page 832. A little context for where we're going. We are going to be in one of the gospel accounts, one of the four sort of biographies of the life of Jesus that the Bible offers. Last week, uh, Sean Del Beccaro took us through the beginning of Luke chapter 2 on this journey that Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus, this journey that they go to, to Bethlehem, and we see the birth of Jesus. And right at this sort of climactic moment, the author of Luke does like a jump cut, and we go to a scene away from Bethlehem. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. For all people. So on this third Sunday of Advent, we are talking about joy. And what I think is so clear from Luke's account is that joy at the first Christmas was intimately tied to this thing, good news, right? The angel says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. It seems that for these shepherds and for the people living at the time of the first Christmas, joy was deeply intertwined with good news. And so if we want to talk about joy this Christmas, it would seem that we would need to understand what exactly this good news is. What is good news? Well, I'm glad you asked. I actually prepared a sermon on it this morning. <laughs> this part of the Bible that we just read was originally written in the Greek language, and the Greek word used here for good news is the word euangelion. Can you all say that with me? Euangelion. It's kind of fun to say. And this, it's important to note that this is actually not the first time that this word euangelion is used in the Bible, but it is actually used all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the story of God's chosen people, Israel. And euangelion is specifically used to describe a royal announcement. Whenever the nation of Israel would get a new king, what they would do is they would send a herald or a messenger into the town square to proclaim the euangelion, the good news that a new king is on the throne. And just like in our country, when we elect a new leader every four years, everyone was happy with the results, right? No, not really. Because here's the thing, a new king means that changes are going to be made. You know, it means there's going to be new laws. It means there's going to be new taxes, a new way of ordering things. You ever get a new boss or a new manager at work? And all of a sudden, things just start to change. 
new kings mean new ways of living. And here's the thing. For God's people throughout the Bible, their new kings were kind of hit or miss. If you read throughout the story of the Bible, you'll see that they had some good kings and they had some really bad kings. They had some kings who would put forth laws that were really good for one group of people while at the same time being really bad for another group of people. Sound familiar? No. And in the midst of this long line of human kings, some good, some bad, there's a prophet named Isaiah. And Isaiah shows up and paints this picture, shares this poem of a time when God is going to come. God himself is going to come and become king among his people. I want to read it to you. It's in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Notice the language Isaiah uses. Who proclaim peace, who bring tidings, who proclaim salvation or freedom, who say to Zion, Israel, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for? You think that's how they sounded? Together they shout for? Yes! When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of? Burst into songs of? Yes! Together! You ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Now, that is like several thousand-year-old prophetic, poetic language. So let me translate that a little bit for you. What the prophet Isaiah is saying here is, listen, Israel, people of God, I know you've had some good kings. I know you've had some bad kings. I know some kings' ways of living were really good for some people, not so good for others. But a time is coming when God himself is going to come down and become king among you. And when that happens, that will truly be good news that causes great joy. Now, look back down at Luke chapter 2. Hopefully... Now that we understand the backstory, the point that Luke is making becomes a little bit more clear. Here's what's happening here. By using this same language of euangelion, good news, Luke is making a bold claim that this moment that the people of God have been waiting for, this moment that the prophets spoke of, this moment when God would come down and become a good king among his people, Luke is making a bold claim that that is happening right now. And how is it happening? Verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. You see, Luke frames the birth of Jesus, who, by the way, was a poor baby boy born in a manger in a small town in the Middle East 2,000 years ago. Luke frames the birth of Jesus as a royal announcement. That's what he's doing here. It's an announcement that in Jesus, the people of this world have a new king, 
And just like any king, this king is going to usher in a whole new way of living. Only this is going to be a little bit different. This announcement of a new king, this good news, it's not just going to be good news for some people, but at the same time, bad news for others. This is not even good news just for the people of Israel. But as the angel says, this is good news that will cause great joy for all people, regardless of who you are, regardless of where you're from, regardless of whether you grew up religious, regardless of whether this is your first time sitting in a church, the good news of Christmas, both at the first Christmas and today, is that we have a new king who offers us a new way of living. Let me bring that to you now. You have a new king in your life. When you choose to enter into, as we say here, a transforming relationship with Jesus, that means you are saying, Jesus, you are now king, which means nothing and no one else is worthy of controlling or ruling your life. Listen to me here. No shopping list is your king, yeah? I know, it feels like it controls you. I got to get the perfect gift for all these people. Not your king. No hobby or sports team that you cheer for, or TV show is your king. They're great. Trust me, I love them. There's nothing wrong with it. Just doesn't really work to order your life around those things, you know? Like for me, I don't know, maybe for you, my job is not my king. Much as I actually really, really love what I get to do, it's not my king. No situation you're facing as you're walking in here this morning, no situation's your king. No struggle can rule or control your life as much as it feels like it. No person, no elected official, no boss of yours, no spouse, no parent, nothing and no one, not even you, actually. The reality is, and the message of Jesus, is that you are not meant to be king or queen of your life. You are not actually meant to be in charge of your own life, but in Jesus, we actually have a better option. It's not that he's pulling control away from us and Jesus wants to dominate our lives. No, 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 no. This is a good king. This is a good new king who offers a good new way of living, which means you no longer have to live by the unwritten rules of our culture. You think long enough, you'll realize our culture has some unwritten rules that it wants us to live by. For example, when you choose to follow Jesus, Christmas doesn't have to mean your life is defined by more. It doesn't have to mean you've got to put more on your schedule, buy more things, do more things. It doesn't have to mean that. Your dating life doesn't have to be defined by this fast-paced, swipe-right, transactional relationship. You do something for me, I do something for you. I know that's how everyone else works it. As a follower of Jesus, you actually don't have to do it that way. Religion. Your relationship with God, it doesn't have to mean that you become a buttoned-up, boring, judgmental person. In fact, I would actually argue that is the exact opposite of the life that Jesus offers us. You see, the life that Jesus offers us, the life that our new king wants to usher us into, is a life totally different from that of which we are currently offered. It is a life that is based on and leads to things like love and peace, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control, and joy. This is what it is, the joy of Christmas. 
comes from the good news that a new king who offers a new and better way of living has come to the world. Christmas is exactly what the song says. Christmas is joy to the world. Christmas is joy to you. Do you understand that? That's actually what it is. Christmas is this bold declaration that the things that used to rule me, the things that used to control me, the broken ways that I used to do things, I don't have to do that anymore. You ever stuck in a bad job and it's a terrible culture and you just can't wait to get out of there? You remember your last day and you're like, I don't have to go here anymore. (laughs) You remember the movie Home Alone? What does Macaulay Culkin scream out of his house? That's what Christmas is. And that's what the joy of Christmas comes from. It's a bold declaration that I don't have to be afraid anymore. I don't have to live this way anymore. But there's more. Let's go back to Luke chapter 2. Verse 17. We're going to skip down a little bit. This is after Mary and jo- after the shepherds have had an encounter with Mary, Joseph, and the baby Jesus. Verse 17 says, When they, the shepherds, had seen him, listen to this. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Let me show you this. Quick review. In the beginning of the story, the angel shows up, tells the shepherds this good news that will cause great joy. There's a new king, new way of living in Jesus. This is good news to them, to the shepherds. They have an encounter with Jesus, and immediately they go and start telling other people about this good news. This is good news through them. And this, this, I really want you to get this, this idea... I was so taken by this this week. This idea of good news through human beings, this is a defining theme, not only of the Christmas story, this is actually how God works in the world. This is God's chosen mode of operation. It is through these shepherds that God is going to begin to spread the good news of his kingdom arriving throughout the world. It was through a teenage girl named Mary, that God chose to bring this king into the world. And it was through, by the way, a human baby who would become a human man that God himself would choose to become king among his people. You see, here it is. Christmas, it's not just about joy to you. Christmas is also about joy through you. Christmas is joy to you. The good news that a new king has come, but also Christmas is joy through you. This idea that I am living in a new reality and I want to help usher every single person I know into this reality. You see, God's plan to bring joy to the world is actually to spread joy through the world. This ain't no top-down operation, but this is a joy that comes from the inside and it creeps out the minute the people of God say yes. You see, I believe this is actually where next level Christmas joy is found. Not just when it comes to you, but when you open yourself up to allow what has come to you this year to actually flow through you. Can you imagine how much more joyful Christmas would be in your life, your family, your workplace, our city, 
Can you imagine how much more joyful it would be if each and every one of us just took the step from simply being a consumer of joy to actually being a carrier of joy and a creator of joy in other people? Can you imagine what that would look like? We started talking about how, you know, Christmas growing up, it it is, Christmas, it happens to you, right? But when you grow up, what happens? You actually have an opportunity to let Christmas happen through you. And if you have ever been a part of creating Christmas magic, whether it's for your kids or for someone else, you know that Christmas coming through you, carrying Christmas, offering it to someone else, that brings a much, much deeper and more profound sense of joy. And so I wonder, where and how could you carry joy this holiday season? I know for some of you in this room, joy is not a problem for you. It's Christmas time. You are living your best life, wearing your best sweaters, and that's incredible. I love it. Trust me. Others of you, it's like you just had a great year. Like everything's on the up and up for you. Maybe even for some of you, it specifically has to do with your faith right now. You know, you, you, maybe you've been coming to this church for a while, you really like the vibes here, you like the people, you leave with a really good feeling because the teaching, especially this Sunday, is amazing, <laughs> you know? Maybe your faith right now, it just feels like, oh man, every week, every day, good news, joy to me. I want you to listen to me. If that's the season you're in right now in this room, I want you to hear this. I'm so happy for you. I genuinely am. But also my challenge to you, my invitation of you, for you, is would you allow that joy to flow through you now? Could you maybe find one area, one place, one conversation where you could let the good news, the joy, flow through you? And I know that sounds intimidating. When, you know, for those of you who grew up in church, when we talk about sharing the good news, we think like, oh gosh, I got to preach a sermon, I got to lay hands on someone, what do I have to do? No, 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 no. This can be so simple. And by the way, it doesn't even have to feel super spiritual. And as I was trying to think of examples this week of how to do this, I actually started thinking about people that I know in this very church. Started thinking about my friend Becky. And what Becky is doing is in the month of December, she is just once a day, every single day, she is sending one text of encouragement and gratitude to someone. And after she sends it, she just prays for that person for about five minutes. And here's the really cool part about it. She specifically chooses people who would not expect that from her. She specifically chooses her coworkers that she doesn't talk to very much. She chooses, she's in sales. She chooses clients that she even sells to and has a relationship with. Not talking to them about business or anything like that, just encouraging them for the relationship that they've created. I know that doesn't feel spiritual, but that is actually good news through her. A couple weeks ago, my, my friend Eric got these amazing tickets to a Bulls game. And I, for those of you who don't know me, I love the Chicago Bulls so, 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 so much. And Eric actually invited me. He invited me to go to the game with him. And we had these incredible seats. It was so awesome. And it was a small thing. Like, Eric probably didn't even think twice about it. But I want you to know, for me, in a season like this that is so busy and is so often just defined by working and working and working... I can't tell you what good news it was for me to look at my calendar and say, oh, I have a night off with Eric coming up. Simply because he offered an invitation. So for you, like who could you invite this week? Either to something, maybe into your home. There's so many people I'm sure that you know that might be spending Christmas alone. 
Could you invite them? Could you invite them, as Jarrett was saying earlier, to come and join us here for our Christmas Eve services? I mean, I'm going to be here. We can hang out. I think it would be fun. All I'm asking is for those of you, because there are some of you in this room, joy has come to you. I'm asking for the sake of the rest of us, would you allow it to flow through you? Not only because that is God's plan, that is God's design, but also because it needs to be acknowledged there are those of us here who need it from you. God actually wants to use you in our lives because here's the thing, our world, it needs to be acknowledged, our world is hurting. Our city's hurting. There's some of you in this room entering into Christmas time. You are hurting. And you came to hear a sermon about joy and it just doesn't feel right. There's some of you for whom Christmas does not feel like good news right now. Christmas to you maybe feels like loneliness, right? Another year of singleness. Another year where I'm separated from my family for one reason or another. And you could actually use some good news. Christmas for you and your family right now, it actually feels like financial struggle more than it does good news. And people buy you all of these gifts and spend all this money on you. And you know that this year you're not really going to be able to do the same things that you usually do. And while you're so grateful, it's always so grateful that people would give me gifts there's also just feelings of frustration. There's feelings of even shame sometimes. I, I, again, I was thinking of myself. I was sitting right over here before the service started, and we're singing, you know, we sang that. I don't know how many times we sang that is who you are in Waymaker, but we were just singing that over and over and over again, and I was thinking about myself this season, and I've talked to you all about this struggle that I have with how much working in the church, you do a lot of work around Christmas. And for me, I was working on this sermon. I had another sermon to give last week. I had another sermon to give earlier this week. I wrote three scripts for our upcoming Christmas services. I'm helping Pastor Jarrett with the launch of his new book. And for me, my struggle is like, I want to do all of that work perfectly, you know? And for me, a lot of it is like, this, uh, this is how God has equipped and gifted me to be a carrier of joy. Like, I am actually the person who would give the sermon to carry joy to other people. And so I focus so hard on being a carrier of joy, but what I was so so floored by as we were singing, that is who you are, that is who you are, I felt as though God was saying, hey, John, um, this perfect work that you're doing for me, are you bringing the good news of your own work to other people? Or are you actually receiving the good news that I have given you and letting that flow through you instead? Like this season, are you just bringing the good news of how great of a gift giver you are to other people? Or are you actually allowing the good news, the love that has come down, the hope that has come down, are you really giving yourself time to receive that first and then let it flow through you? Uh, that's what I need right now. And, and if you're like me, maybe you're here this morning and you, before joy goes through you, you actually need a reminder of where our joy comes from. And so as we close, I, I would, if I could be so bold, I would love to be that reminder for you. I would love to be a reminder that our joy, true joy, it doesn't come from the bad news of a broken world. You see, our joy, it actually comes from the good news that there is a God who is coming to redeem and restore all of it. You see, our, our joy it comes from the good news that in Jesus, when we choose to follow him, we have a new king. And here's the thing, the joy that that king offers, 
Here's why it's such good news, is it's because it doesn't actually ask us to ignore our hurt, but the good news of Jesus actually is a bold declaration that God has a plan in the hurt. That as we sang earlier, God never stops working in the pain. God never stops working to redeem it. God never stops working to recreate the goodness that he had for us. You see, the good news of Christmas, the joy of Christmas, it cannot be hijacked by any hardship you're facing right now. It can't be broken by any burden you're facing, right? It's not, it's not found in these circumstances that while they are so difficult, they are temporary. It is found in the fact that 2,000 years ago, a Savior was born to bring joy to a lost and hurting people. And what Christmas is at its core, it is a bold declaration. Listen to me. What Christmas is, it is a bold declaration that King Jesus is still alive. He's still offering an invitation into a brand new life to lost and hurting people today. And maybe what is keeping you from that joy is simply saying yes to that invitation. Simply saying, yes, God, I need you to be king. Would you receive that joy? And so here's what I want to do now. I, I want to I light our joy candle. As you can see, our joy candle has a little bit of flair. It's pink. I asked my wife if I should wear pink today. She said no, strangely enough. But we're going to light this candle and we're going to sing we're going to sing a song, actually two songs, that many of you perhaps might be familiar with, but here's what I hope you will do. As we stand and as we sing, what I'm hoping is that the words of this song would fall fresh on you, that you would notice the king metaphors that are being used, the kingly language, and you would receive the good news that all the things that used to rule you no longer rule you, but you have a new good king in Jesus. And my prayer is that as we sing this, that that joy would come to you so that it could go through you. Would you stand with me right now? And God, as, as we stand, as we lift our eyes to you, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you are a good king that amidst all of the forces that try and control our lives, Jesus, I thank you that you are good. Amidst all of the ways, amidst all of the paths that we are enticed to go down, Jesus, I thank you that you made a way. I thank you that you are a way maker and your way is good. Your way is new. It is utterly different. It gives life. It gives hope. God, I thank you for the joy that came to us in Jesus. And Lord, I pray right now, I pray that we would receive that joy, that joy of Christmas afresh. Would it fall on our hearts as we sing this song? And would you move us, God, to take all of the goodness that we have received and flow through us into a world? God, we boldly declare that the way you want to move, the way you want to redeem the world, it is by bringing joy to us and then spreading it out through us. Thank you, God, and we sing, and we lift up your name, and we proclaim that, Jesus, you are king, and your kingship is truly good news of great joy.